it's good to see everyone today, and it's all right to laugh in church. Somebody say amen. If you laugh, God's not going to fall off the throne this morning. He'll laugh with you. How many of you know God laughs? And, you know, it, you know. we talked last week about our emotions. God has emotions, and the reason we have them is because we got them from him, okay, because we were made in his image. Somebody say amen. So we're so glad that you've chose to worship with us today. Uh, take your outlines out if you would, and uh, we'll get. To, if you put up our scripture this morning, or we put our first PowerPoint up this morning. We're in a series entitled "Transformation in the Wake of Trauma," and today we're going to be talking about transformation in the wake of traumatic pain. And you know, we we go through things in life, and I want to look. I want you to look at the scripture this morning that I up for you, and a, for, a scripture that you have in your notes, and it's in Ecclesiastes 2, 22 and 23, and here's what it says. It says, so what do people get for all their hard work and their struggles here on earth? Good question. Their entire, le- their entire life is filled with pain, and their work is unbearable. Even at night, their minds don't rest. It all seems pointless. Wow. Doesn't that sound very relevant today? A message that we can hear today. And I want you to underline the phrase, their entire life is filled with pain. Their entire life is filled with pain. And their minds don't rest. That sums up most of of the world today and, and, and our lives today. Charles Swindoll said this, he said, life is 10% of what, you, what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. Let me say that again if you're taking notes. So life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. So if one's life is filled with pain, how are we going to react in that pain? How are we going to react when the pain hits us? So we, you know, pain is inevitable. We're going to feel that in our lives. And everybody sitting here today, you, you know what pain is all about. You have felt pain in your life. You've went through things. And this morning, I believe God's going to help us in our minds and our spirits and going to comfort us today. So bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And Heavenly Father, we feel the effects and see the pain in in and all around us, O oh Lord, and I want you to help us today, God, to be able to understand and to deal with the pain in our lives, and all God's people said, amen. All right, so every day we experience pain, and for some, finding food, finding shelter, and making it through another day is a painful experience, okay, if you think about it. Why is life so difficult, and why is life so painful? Now, many scientific, uh, scientific studies have documented that human beings, they are able to handle an enormous amount of pain if, everybody say if, the pain feels pointless. And there's no reason why that there's a pain there, okay? Pain without any purpose, that's the kind of pain that's so unbearable and agonizing, okay? But when you see a purpose behind the pain, you can handle an enormous amount of pain. 
For instance, how many of your women here have given birth to a child? Let me see your hands, okay? Look at this. Look around, okay? Okay, how many of you, ladies, how many of you would say it's horrific pain, okay? Horrific pain, okay? Giving birth is painful, but women bear the pain for a greater purpose. What is the purpose? They bring forth life. Come on, somebody. Okay, so we think about it. How many of your moms here this morning would say that the pain of childbirth is worth it? Let me see your hands. Come on, let me see your hands. All right, you say it's worth it, okay? How many of you would want to experience the pain if there was no purpose in it at all? See, it puts a, a completely different perspective when you think of it like that. Pain with a purpose is manageable pain. Without a purpose, it's unmanageable. And that's what we want to talk about today. Now, my wife, Angie, went through enormous pain of knee surgery. How many of you have ever had knee surgery? Let me see your hand. I know some of you have. I've talked with you. And, and I kind of helped her, and, you know, through that situation. Now, she had the pain. I was just there to kind of assist and help her. But I, could, I, I knew that she was in enormous pain. And, and, what was, and why was she in enormous pain? She corrected a problem uh, that she had with her knees, okay? Now, the reason she agreed to go through the pain was because of the purpose and the benefit that was going to come, come from it. Now, before, my wife and I, we would go somewhere, and she would have to sit down here, sit down there, and uh, she couldn't walk. And here I'm uh, raring and tearing to go, and, and, and you know, she, she couldn't go with me into certain places, but let me tell you something, after knee surgery, she's got brand new knees, come on somebody, and now I have to sit down and she, <laughs> I think you got the drift. Last week, we give you a scripture, and I want you to go to the next one on the screen if you would. Romans eight twenty eight. one of my favorite in the Bible, says we know, everybody say we know. How many of you want to know things? All right, the scripture says we know, notice, not that we guess, we know, we know for certain. It's not that we hope, we know, we know in all things, not some things, not a few things, but in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to, and there's that word purpose. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. Now this verse says we know that in all things, God works for the good. Not all things are good. There's some things that they're not, they may not be good, but God takes things. Say, how many of you know sometimes even bad things can come our way and God can take it and turn it around? Come on, somebody. And even temptations that come to you, and I've said it before, 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about, you know, the, the temptation that comes your way, that God can make a way of escape if, you know, if you'll just look to him in the midst of your temptation. So God wants to use pain for good and this is why the question Paul asks in Galatians 3, chapter 3 and verse 4, Paul says to the church, have you gone through all of this for nothing? Have you gone, for all, gone through all of this for nothing? Is it all really for nothing? In other words, have you wasted the pain in your life? So to answer those questions, we want to talk about five ways that God uses pain for good in your life today. And in the midst of this, I believe God is going to help you and some of the things that's going on in your life. Number one, uh, in your notes, write this down. Use pain to draw closer to God and to trust Him more. Use pain to trust God, uh, you know, get closer to God and trust Him more. When anything painful happens, you've got a choice. Now, here's a choice. You can either run to God or you can run away from God. Somebody say amen. 
You can either run to God or run away from God. And the second way, it never made any sense to me, if you're running away from God, what are you running to, okay? What are you running to? So who could help you more in your pain than God? So we should run to God. And some people, when they're in pain, they, they do run to God. But some people, when they're in pain, they actually run away from God. They run away from the one that can help them in the situation. So pain has a way of drawing you close to God. Can I get a witness this morning? I know I probably wouldn't have come to the Lord, but in the midst of my pain, you know, I sought out God. And many of you have done the same thing. Come on, somebody. Many of you did the exact same thing. So now, how do we do that? How do we draw close to God when you're in pain? Well, the first thing you do is just tell him exactly how you feel. You got to tell God how you feel. You cry out to God, God, I'm in pain. I'm, I'm in this pain. It's the most natural thing. When you're in a hurricane, when there's a disaster, when there's an earthquake, what does someone say? Oh, my God. They cry out to God. That's what you should do. You cry out to God. You cry out to God in the midst of your pain. You tell him exactly how you feel. And if you want to argue with God, go ahead. How many of you know you can argue with God? It's full of scripture of different patriarchs that argued with God. They just told God how they feel. And someone says, well, I wouldn't want, no, want God to know how I feel. He knows already. Come on, somebody. He knows how you feel anyway. Cry out to God. Tell him how you feel. If you're upset, just tell him you're upset. If you're, you, you, you know, whatever the situation is, tell God. He knows. He knows where you are. He needs to you know, you need to learn how to worship God in all the phases of grief and life. In other words, you see prayer. Use prayer to express shock. You use prayer to unload your sorrow, to unload your sadness, and you begin to give it to God. That's how you cast it all on the Lord. You cast it on the Lord when you cry out to God. Use prayer to struggle with your emotions. How many of you have ever struggled with your emotions? Come on, somebody. And you need to, you know, go to God. You use prayer to surrender your life to God. When you don't know which way to turn, you ask God to use the pain for good in your life. And you use all the emotion. You don't suppress it. You don't repress it. You confess it. Come on, somebody. Don't suppress it. Oh, I just, I'm just, I'm just going to hold on to this. Folks, I'm going to tell you, they'll kill you. Come on, somebody. Stress of life is just too much for you. You need to give it to God. How many of you know God's bigger than you are and God can handle it? You can't handle it, but God can. So do what Paul did in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8 when he talked about a time that he was so depressed. I don't know about you, but some of us have been depressed in life. Let me, you know, we talked about two weeks ago with Elijah and how that you know, he was just paralyzed. Because of the depression in his life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. Here's what Paul said. We are crushed and overwhelmed. And saw how many powerless. And saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. For then we put everything into God's hands. So you need to come to that point where you realize that I can't fix myself. But God can fix you. Come on, somebody. But you've got to let him do it, okay? You've got to let him do it. Who alone can save us, and he did. Now, my family and I have been in a lot of, I've been in places of pain and depression. And I, and I, I, I told you about a time where I just was just paralyzed. 
like Elijah, I was paralyzed. I, I didn't know what to do. I just kind of went within myself, you know, which is a bad place to be. You know, you go in a dark hole and you don't want to go there. Let me tell you something. You want to get light. Come on, somebody. You don't want to go in a dark hole. You want to go to the light. You want to go to God. And let God come into your life. And let God expose that. And let God help you with all the pain that you're going through. And let me tell you something. You can give God all the broken pieces, and he can take the broken pieces. Come on. How many of you know God can fix a puzzle in your life? He can take all the broken pieces and make peace, uh, give you peace that passes all understanding. He can put it all together in your life. Just give him the broken pieces. He'll give you peace, and that's what you need. C.S. Lewis said this. God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. He whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. The Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. So if you're brokenhearted, God's close. He, he, you know, God moves in. God is never closer to you when you are in pain. If you're in pain this morning, let me tell you something. God's close to you. And many of you could say pain turned you to Christ. Turn you to Christ. That's why Paul says in the letter, 2 Corinthians seven nineteen, he says, I'm glad and not because it hurt you, but because the pain turned you to God. It turned you to God. In other words, the pain was just too much. And, and, and that's how many of us come to the Lord. We realize we needed him. Somebody say amen. We, we, we saw that we was in the hog pen. Come on, somebody. We saw that we there was something better than this. This is a bad place to be, and we need to be where God is. Come on, somebody. So don't waste your pain. Let, let it turn to God and spend longer times with him and reading the Bible and studying his word and being quiet and listening to God and being alone with God. And you're going to get strong in that. And that's what pain can do. It can draw you closer to God. Number two, next, next uh, slide. Number two, use pain to draw closer to others in fellowship. By helping, look at Galatians 6.2. By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. By helping each other, think about that. By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. Now, that's called fellowship. Koinia is the right word, the Greek word. And if you allow it, and, and if you are honest about the things that are causing you pain, pain will deepen and mature your love, not only for God, but for one another. Somebody say amen. amen. What are the two commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor. Help me out. And how can you do that? That's, this is the way that you can do that. In, in your relationship, in your community, and, and, and point it near it will build an authentic relationship around you with other people and, and, and with those close to you. And you see, suffering sensitizes you because it turns you away from being self-centered. It turns you away from being self-centered to when you're going through a major pain, you're sensitized to, to it and others, and you can see other people's pain as well. Because you've been through something, how many of you know you can help somebody else to go through something that they're going through at that time? And God can help you. God uses that, okay? A sad statistic is this. About one-third of the marriages end up splitting up after the loss of a child. Why? Because we all grieve differently. 
A husband grieves one way, a wife uh, grieves another way, and it causes people to go further and further apart. I've re- I, I've see this, I saw this in my own family, and, and, and my uh, sister and her husband, and they lost a child, and, and, and they went through a divorce because of that. And, and, and it's a grieving thing. You know, it's so sad. So when someone is going through pain, we need to have the ministry of presence. Somebody say amen. You say, well, what is that, Pastor, the ministry of presence? It's just being there. It's just showing up and shutting up. How many of you know some people feel like they just got to say something? Sometimes it's just your nerves. Come on, somebody. You can learn a lot from a person. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to be facetious this morning. I'm just saying we need to have that ministry of presence. Sometimes we just need to be there for somebody. We just need to be there for somebody, okay? And what does that look like? The deeper the pain someone is going through, the fewer the words that we use. Well, I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. You don't need to try to, you don't need to say that. that you, you know, that's just something you need to just zip. You don't need to zip that up. And you need to have the ministry of presence just being there. Sometimes people are afraid to go over to a friend's house when they've lost someone and they say, I don't know what to say. Don't. Don't say anything. Just show up. Maybe go wash their dishes while you're there. Maybe you can clean up while you're there. Maybe you can get them some food while you're there. Come on, somebody. There are some things you could do, but you don't have to think that you're a, a counselor, Okay. So don't say anything. Just show up. Help me out and shut up. (laughs) Just be there. It's a ministry of presence. They don't need your words. They need your presence. Can I get a witness out of that? Is that good preaching? Don't try to preach any sermons and give, give us words of wisdom. Just be there. That's what you need to do. Just show up. It's called the ministry of presence. Don't try to cheer people up when they're in grief. They don't need to be cheered up. Can I get a witness? That's the the worst thing you could do is try to cheer someone up when they're going through grief. They're going through pain. They're going through things that you don't understand. And you just need to be there for them and let them know that you care. Can somebody say amen? You know, the Bible says weep with those that are weeping so if they're weeping just weep with them i've done it that i didn't know what there's been times i have no don't know what to do so i just go and man i could just sense the broken you know you can be around someone you can feel uh, what they're going through and folks i mean you can sense that they're going through some things how many of you know you just need to weep with them put your arm around them let them know you love them and let them know that you're there it's called the ministry of presence That's how you use pain to build fellowship. That's how you use pain to build a relationship. That's how you use pain to get closer to someone. Not trying to talk them out of what they're feeling, but actually you're trying to feel it with them. And and, and you're you're sympathizing and empathizing, and you're there with them. It's good. Is this good preaching this morning? We need to to do that in 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 our church. The deepest level of fellowship is when a group gets together is the fellowship of not sharing or studying or serving, but the fellowship of suffering. Now, all those things are important, but sometimes just suffering with those that are suffering. The Bible calls it fellowship of suffering. Look at Galatians 6.2. 
By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor, help me out, as, as yourself. You're loving your neighbor as yourself. And it says when you sh- share with each other in the suffering, you hurt when others hurt. And, and, and now you're loving your neighbor as yourself. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. You just get where they are. See, pain can teach you how to really love someone. Because love is not a quiver in the liver. Come on, somebody. Love is doing the sacrificial thing. Love cleans up messes and changes bedpans. Come on, somebody. That's what love does. It's there beyond that. You know, you're there to help someone that is really in need. Can I get a witness? Number three. Use pain to grow deeper like Christ. This is called discipleship. And every time you're in pain, it's an opportunity to work on your attitude, to work on your virtue, to work on your character. Hello? The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. My my son Josh preached on this three or four weeks ago, about a month ago, when he was here. The fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, but fruit, what? Fruit of the Spirit. There's nine qualities of that. The fruit singular of the Spirit is, help me out, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness. And the last one there is probably should be right at the front, but it, it put it there for a purpose. Self-control. Self-control. The Bible says these are what happens when the Spirit is living in your life. If God is living in your life, this is what you're going to have in your life. You know, if you've got love in your life, let me tell you something, you're not going to have retaliation of someone. Come on, somebody. When someone does something to you, you're not going to be trying to do something back to them. Can I get a witness? Because love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love, help me out, never ends. Aren't you glad God didn't get up, you know, it doesn't get up a grumpy God at times? (laughs) How does God build these qualities in your life? By putting you in the exact opposite situation. He teaches you love when you're around unlovable people. Now that's an amen or no me. He teaches you joy in the midst of grief. He teaches you patience by putting you in a situation where you have to wait. Boy, I tell you what, I hate to wait. We, we pray for patience and we want it right now. Think about it. He teaches every one of us these qualities of self-control by putting you in a situation where you're tempted to not be self-controlled. And maybe you're out of control. And, and, and that's what's going to help you to get, you know, have self-control in your life. See, pain is an opportunity to grow in character in Christ. But again, it's a choice. Everybody say it's a choice. You have to make the choice. You have to choose that. You have to choose that. When you're in pain, you can be either bitter or you can get better. Come on, somebody. A lot of people choose to just be better. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be bitter. 
Well, you've seen folk like that. Come on now. And then you've seen other people in the midst of all that, they just smile. And you can just tell, man, they have a quality about them that, that's deep. Come on, somebody. It's not automatic. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 30, look in your notes. I want you to see that. 20, 30, Proverbs. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Think about that. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. You know, some, somebody said, well, why, you know, why has God allowed me to go through this? Let me tell you something. He doesn't want you to continue going where you're going. He wants you to repent and turn around so the farther you're going that way, the more painful it gets. Why? Because he wants a, you to repent. Repent means to turn around. He wants you to repent of that situation. Come on, somebody. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. We all could give testimony on that verse. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. Come on, somebody. Like, whoa. If God is going to make us like Jesus, he's going to take us through everything Jesus went through. Now, boy, that's a statement right there. Look at Hebrews. Chapter 5. Before I read that, God did not spare Jesus from being criticized, from being persecuted. God, why well, he could have spared him. That's his son. He could have spared him from that. He wants you to grow up in character and be like his son. Look at Hebrews 5 8. Even through Jesus was God, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things, help me out. He suffered. Circle the word, we learn, we learn obedience through suffering. In fact, Hebrews 5, 9 says it like this. Suffering made Jesus perfect, and now he can save forever all who obey him. Now, I want to just for a moment talk about that word perfect. Jesus was perfect. What does that mean? The word is teleos in the Greek, and it means complete. Suffering made Jesus complete. There's some things we only learn through our pain. Now, perfect being complete, that's what we need. We need, and again, it's, the, it's those, the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives flowing the way it needs to flow. That's being complete, having the character of God. That's, that's what we need. We want to draw closer to God and draw closer to others, become more like Jesus, and God wants to build the God character in your life through pain, and the way he does it, that's the way he does it. Look, at Paul complimented the way the Corinthian believers had actually grown through their pain. Look at the next scripture I gave you, 2 Corinthians 7, in verse 11. Now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress, they had gone through some major distress there in Corinth. Isn't it wonderful all the ways which this distress has goaded you closer to God. Think about that. Wow, it's just like it's you know, pushing us closer to God because of all the things that have come uh, their way. 
And that's the first purpose. You, you, you're more alive. You're more concerned. You're more sensitive. You're more uh, relevant. You're more human. You're more passionate. You're more responsible. Uh, look at it in any angle, and you come out with purity of heart. And that, that's what God wants. So, in other words, when you're going through things, it's like going through the fire. You know, and we, we talk about going through the fire. When you go through the fire, they put gold in the fire. And all the impurities in that, but the, the fire just takes, takes it out, takes it away. And it's pure gold. And that's what God wants in our lives. He wants us to be complete. And that's the first purpose. You're more alive. I love the message translation of that passage. He says, there's these seven things. Being concerned, sensitive, relevant, human, passionate, and responsible, and being fully alive. He says, do you want these things in your life? Then... Ask God to use the pain that's in your life to help you to become more like Jesus. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? Ooh, now we're getting down where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> you see, the fact is pain always transforms us. It transforms. That's what we're talking about. Transformation in the wake of traumatic pain. We've got to come to that place where we're transformed. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. Don't let this world mold you into its shape, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God wants to do some things in you. Then ask God to use the pain to help you to be more like Jesus. And you see, the fact is, pain can always transform us either to the good or to the bad, to the bitter or to the better. As I said, pain never leaves you the way it finds you. Pain never leaves you the way it finds you. There's going to be a change that happens, and God wants us to be resilient. It's the ability to bounce back, and everybody stumbles, everybody falls, everybody has failures, everybody has pain and suffering. But those who actually make it through life get up and bounce back and have resilience in their life, and God wants you to be one of those. Somebody say amen. The Bible says, though a man falls seven times, a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, Paul gives testimony of the pain that he went through. He says, I've been put in jail more often. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again and again. Five times I was whipped with 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea, he says, I faced dangers my entire life and from flooded uh, waters and from robbers and from angry mobs. And I faced dangers and in the cities and in the desert and the stormy seas and from people who claim to be Christians, but they are not. Paul said, I have lived with weariness. I have I lived with pain. I have lived with sleepless nights. I, I have often been hungry and thirsty. I've gone without food. I've shivered with cold without enough to, uh, clothing to keep me warm. And besides all this, I had the daily burden of the churches that I started that was on my shoulders. In response to all those things, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Here's his attitude toward it. He said, we are pressed. We are pressed on every side by trouble, but we're not crushed. Come on, somebody. We're pressed, but we're not crushed. Oh, think about it. We're, we're, we're broken, he says. You know, he says, not crushed. We, we're not broken. He says we're perplexed, but we don't give up, quit. We don't do that. No, no, no. He says we're, we're hunted down, but we're never abandoned. He says we get knocked down, but we rise up again. 
In other words, some of you have been knocked down. Some of you have been knocked down. But let me tell you something. It, it doesn't, you know, you can be knocked down several times, but people rise up and win championships. Come on, somebody. And you can too. Paul says, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. These three passages are an amazing testimony of Paul. Number four, let's go, and there's other scripture there. I, I, I'll let you read those later. But number four, time is getting away from me. Number four, use pain to be more sensitive in serving others. Use pain to be more sensitive in serving others. You weren't put on earth to live a self-centered life. Can I get a witness on that? You know, you're just not living for yourself. But there's a purpose. Here's the fourth way that you can use pain. Use pain to be more sensitive in serving others. It's called redemptive pain. It's the highest and the best use of pain that you're going through. It's focused, you know, rather than focusing on my pain, I redirect my focus to other people who are in pain. Instead of focusing on my pain, I'm focusing on helping other people. And in the process of helping others, how many of you know God's going to help you? As I said earlier, pain is, sensitizes us. If you have struggled with depression, you're sensitive to other people who are depressed. Come on, somebody. If you struggle with physical pain, back pain, or whatever it may be, you, 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 you're sensitive to other people who may be going through things. 2 Corinthians 1.4. It's a powerful passage. God says this. God comforts us in all our troubles so that, circle so that, so that, everybody say so that. That's a reason. There's a reason there. So that, so that, so that God comforts us so that we can, help me out, comfort others. Would you say that we are God's extended hands here on planet Earth? God uses these hands. He uses your feet. He uses your mouth. He uses your resources. He'll give you resources to help other people. And the more that you're helping other people, the more he's going to give you. Somebody say amen. amen. Then. When, then, when other people are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Wow, think about that. <laughs> oh, wow, hallelujah. Who's better qualified to help one who's recovering from an alcoholic addiction than one who's been through an alcoholic addiction problem? You think about it, you know. So if you've, you've went through something, you're a good candidate to help someone else that might be going through that. Can I get a witness? Amen. You are your brother's keeper. Number five, use pain to witness to the world. We'll close on this one. We've got about five more minutes. You see, God says that our witness comes out of our weakness, not our strength. We got it all backwards. We think the world is impressed by how we enjoy prosperity. That don't impress the world. They, they see that all around us. Non-Christians have that too. What actually impresses them is how we handle prosperity. And what impresses non-believers is how believers handle adversity, not prosperity. Paul was a pro with this. He was a pro at using his pain as a witness. He, he says... I'm not just going to use it to draw close to God and minister to other people. I'm going to use it as a witness. And he did. He did. You know, 
when, when the apostle Paul would go into a city, he wouldn't check out the, the hotels, and, hotels and motels where he'd be staying. He'd check out the jails because he knew he was going to end up there. And you know, while he was there, he got people converted to Jesus. Think about it. Wow. A witness. I want to be a witness. Look at the scripture I gave you. Philippians 1.12. Paul writes, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here. Now, if you underline your Bible, you ought to underline that here. Here. And where, and where is he when he was writing? He's in a dungeon in Rome. He's, in, he's, he's a prisoner chained to a prison guard. Here. Everything that's happened to me here. I'm in this state. I'm in this situation. I'm in this circumstance. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Paul says, I've actually used pain to model the message so that God has given me. Model my message. How many of you want to model the message? Oh, hallelujah. God allowed him in that prison so he could write those prison letters. Fourteen books of the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, many of them written while he was in prison. In other words, while he was there, he took advantage of it. He was just, he was just you know, out there just, you know, witnessing for God and getting people saved, you know, going to the synagogue, going to churches, and then they put him in prison, and that's when he would do his writing. That was, he would do his writing. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 4. And everything we do, we try to show that we are true servants of God. That means in how we handle the pain, the failure, the defeat, how we handle problems, how we handle mistakes, how we handle things in life. It's how we handle them. Folks, I'm telling you, I wish I could tell you today that you're never going to have any more pain. And I'm going to say, if any preacher or anybody tells you that, they're lying to you. Because in this world, you will suffer persecution. In this world, you will suffer things, you know. And, and, and some of us are suffering things because of Christ. Amen. Anybody been ridiculed because you're a Christian? Ever been the blunt of a joke because you're a Christian? Well, Paul was too. It's not. It hurts. But I'll tell you one thing. That same person will probably be the person they will call when they are in need of pain. Come on, somebody. I need a problems. Mm. Just like your deepest ministry would come out of your deepest hurt. Deepest life message will come out of your deepest pain that you're in. In your pain and test, you will have a testimony. This little bit... We're going to have a time of just worship here for a few minutes. Some of you have been through some things. I'm going to have you to share. If anybody want to share anything, take about 30 seconds. You know, if I give you a call on Saturday, that call, it takes me, I get that call in in 29 seconds. Now, Pastor, you said a lot. You can say a lot in 29 seconds if you don't repeat yourself or go down <laughs> rabbit trails. Can I get a witness? I didn't get on there and tell you all the woes I had that week. <laughs> Hello. But what God has brought you through. In your mess, you can have a message. 
In your mess, you can have a message. In your test, you can have a testimony. Mm. Have you ever gone through bankruptcy? Then you have a financial testimony. Come on, somebody. And some of you, I know you're in this financial class, and I know, I know Dennis is a great teacher over here doing that now. I've heard him, and we've witnessed that. And you know what? You know, some of you might have been through a lot of financial difficulty. But let me tell you something. You can bounce back. Come on, somebody. There might have been some things that you've been doing wrong or whatever it may be, and it's caused you some pain. But you can bounce back. Can I get a witness? Have you ever had a marriage conflict? <laughs> then you have a marriage testimony. Come on, somebody. And you can help others. Have you ever had a religious, uh, a rebellious child? I started to say religious child. No, it's a rebellious child. <laughs> well, if you've had a rebellious child, then you have a rebellious child testimony. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And you can help somebody that's maybe going through something. And let me tell you something. God can help you right where you are. And you know what? If you're in pain, I'm going to say this this morning. Something good is about to happen in your life. There's about to be a change. And God's going to turn some things around. God will not attempt you to be, will allow you to be attempted above that which you're able. But with the temptation, help me out, make a way for your escape. And you know what? God knows exactly what you can go through. You're going to go to a certain point in your life, and when you can't go any further, that's when his spirit and presence is going to come in. And there's going to be times you're going to be going through things like, I don't, wow, I didn't think I could do this. I don't think I could do that. Well, you're with his strength now. Amen. When you get to the end of your strength, that's when God's strength and power comes up. Worship team, would you come back this morning? In everything we do, we try to show that we are the servants of God. We're servants of God. Let me say this. If you're allowing God to use you this morning, I believe everybody here, sitting here, is a preacher, okay? You may not be preaching behind a pulpit. You might not be, you might not be teaching in a classroom. You might not be teaching a small group. But let me tell you something. Every one of us has a message if you've been through a mess. Come on, somebody. You have a testimony if you've been through a test. But that's it. You've got to go through it. Amen? Bow your heads.